Hi, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. Welcome to episode 19, Why Not to Limit Screen Time This Summer. Has anybody else out there like me been fretting over the question, how am I going to control my kids' screen time this summer? I know you are because it's what we're all talking about in our mom circles. How can I get little Johnny to stop playing Minecraft? My Jaden is addicted to YouTube. How many hours of TV is too much for a four-year-old? I hear you. What bothers me about this question, how do I control my kids' screen time for the summer? is the nagging tug of obligation I feel in my gut that if my family is going to have a successful screen-free summer, it's going to be up to me. I'm the one that will have to plan the Pinterest-worthy summer outings, collecting a representation of local flora and insect life to paste on our poster board panorama. It will be me spending hours on the computer designing personalized chore charts and graphs of practice and reading hours, and devising a captivating behavior-based award system with coinciding coinage. Summer is barely underway, and I'm already seeing Instagram photos of zombie children glued to iPads with the caption, Help! Collectively as mothers, we are posting questions on Facebook. How many hours of Minecraft is too much for a five-year-old? We are scrolling Pinterest for solutions, searching everything from chore charts to summer adventures to, my personal nemesis, ideas for homemade craft projects to keep kids busy and engaged during the long summer days. We're seeking clever suggestions for ways kids can earn screen time tokens. We have lengthy discussions with our sisters and mom friends about managing screen time. And where are we having these conversations? On Marco Polo. We as mothers are in dire straits. We are in desperate need of advice, guidance, direction. Where do we turn for help? In our moment of crisis, when we need to know how to keep our children off their screens, we, their mothers, their parents, turn to our screens. In fact, at this very moment, I type these words onto one screen, while my children downstairs interact with at least two different screens, and my husband in our bedroom looks into yet another, you got it, screen. My parenting friends, we are not alone. Though the technology is new, the problem is as old as time. For ages, parents have been struggling to control their children's time. Back in the day, just when it came about time to furrow the field and plant wheat, kids escaped to the canal for hours at a time, floating sticks down the water and lying around on the ditch bank, chewing a sprig of grass between their teeth and staring at the clouds, doing nothing useful, only daydreaming. Up till the time Pa comes a-charging through the field, whipping a willow branch in the air and shouting, What you doing, Jim and Bob Joe, wasting your days with your head in the clouds? You think the wheat is going to plant itself? Get your lazy hind end back to the barn for I use this willow to give you a crack deeper than the one you already got. Funny, isn't it? Now all we want is for our kids to go float sticks in the ditch and daydream at the clouds. Today we're not opposed to heads in the cloud, only heads in the iCloud. But are we really so different from the moms and dads who parented pre-Snapchat? My mother recounts stories of how her older sister found clever ways to sneak out of doing chores so she could find more time to, and can you believe this, read books. 
I remember having friends whose parents limited them to only being able to talk on the telephone for two hours a day. Otherwise, mom and dad were worried they would spend every second from school to bedtime doing nothing useful but chatting into that blasted phone contraption, dragging the cord up the stairs and into the hallway closet to gossip about nail polish, parties, and boys. Personally, I've never loved talking on the telephone, even when it was a novelty. But there was a time growing up when my parents limited my siblings and I to four hours of television per week. The agony! Four hours a week? That's not even an hour a day. Perhaps my parents were motivated when they discovered I had spent the entire summer of my 12th year watching no less than four hours of TV a day. The Nickelodeon channel had a prime lineup of reruns. My mom had gone back to school and was busy studying, and for some reason, my brothers, who usually ruled the basement, were nowhere to be seen. Maybe that's the summer they went on a National Scout Jamboree with my dad. In any case, I had the TV all to myself. There was no remote control, but that wasn't a problem. No need to change the channel. I started with Bewitched, followed by I Dream of Genie, and worked my way through Gidget, Gilligan's Island, The Addams Family, the Monsters, the Brady Bunch, the Partridge Family, and the Monkees. I binge-watched my way through those long summer afternoons before binge-watching was even a thing, all the way through the afternoon until the perfectly good lineup, which finished with Mr. Ed, was cut off by the mandatory showing of Dan Rather and the nightly news. And what about my friend who had no television in her home? Was she better off than I was? Today, she turns off her television long enough to tell me that she earned a lot of money growing up because she took every babysitting gig she could find. Her dad thought she was so responsible and hardworking, but was she watching those kids? Nope. She was watching those kids' TV. Years ago, in an attempt to control the unscheduled hours of summertime, I devised a form of currency called Warner Bucks. This was money I designed and printed myself the closest I've ever come to running a counterfeit cash operation. Originally, my plan was to feature the faces of my family members on various values of bills, until I realized that the emotional damage from placing one child's face on a bill of higher value than another child just wasn't worth the future therapy. Truthfully, it probably came down to whether I should put my or my husband's face on the bill of highest value. So I nixed the different denominations altogether and settled for all the same value. I printed a family picture on what was the equivalent of a $1 bill or one Warner buck. My kiddos, all under age seven at that time, could earn Warner bucks for doing chores and demonstrating good behavior. Then they paid a Warner buck for every 30 minutes of television time. Brilliant, huh? And ladies and gentlemen, I did this all pre-Pinterest. Thank you very much. And guess what? It was a disaster. Okay, maybe not a complete disaster. Probably there was some social science lesson in there about government and establishing a monetary system of exchange. And the kids loved seeing their faces on quote-unquote money. So it was fun for about a week until gradually I began to realize that what I had done was essentially to create several full-time jobs for myself. I was running my own little company and I was in charge of payroll, human resources, management, job descriptions, job trainings, employee performance, and employee evaluations, which sounds rather organized, but actually devolved into long discussions about why Child X's rude comment didn't result in being fined a Warner Buck while Child Y's whining did. 
not to mention trying to settle the argument over who the stack of Warner Bucks left on the kitchen table last night belonged to, and trying to stay on top of preventing the manipulation of three-year-old brother Sweet Tooth by bribing him with one piece of stale Halloween candy for all his Warner Bucks, I was spending my entire summer handing out and collecting crinkled cash, while in the meantime, the TV was blaring as loudly and as longly as ever before. My children, with less than a second grade education combined among them, had discovered all kinds of ways to buck the system. Child X would buy 30 minutes of watching Dragon Tales, which Child Y watched from behind the wall, but swore he wasn't watching so he didn't have to use his currency. And the older ones were constantly conniving, bribing, manipulating how their younger brother should use his Warner Bucks. All of this with the goal to limit screen time, and it seemed that every conversation, every action, every motive in our house for that summer centered around that television screen. A few weeks in had me questioning if it rightly classified as screen time or if it would be more correctly dubbed as scream time. And folks, we basically had two screens in the house. A TV hooked up to a VCR, yes, a VCR, and a computer with a limited selection of games such as Frogger and a couple of learning CDs like Dr. Seuss's ABC book. At that time, there was no YouTube, no DSs, no iPhone, iPad, or iBox. I mean Xbox. And it was still madness. What is the lesson here? Every technology brings issues different from the generation before. Parents are always going to worry that these new gadgets are going to destroy humanity. And parents are always going to worry that they're letting their kids waste too much time. But whether it's the ditch bank, the first radio, telephone, television, home computer, or smartphone, the principles around parenting the use of time and technology, productivity or distraction, are the same. Principle number one, limits create want. In her book, Parenting in the Age of Attention Snatchers, author and clinical psychologist Lucy Jo Palladino says, Forbidden fruit is the tastiest. Completely banning screen time may simply double the desire of your kids to get online. This reminds me of a Pampered Chef training I attended back when I was a Pampered Chef consultant. We were seated in a circle and our directing manager was introducing the bonus awards for achieving certain levels of income for the month. She pulled out this, it was a plate or a bowl, I think it was a plate, like a ceramic plate, and introduced this as the bonus prize. Collectively, we oohed and awed, and then she passed the plate around. We're all examining it and thinking of all of the parties that we can host and all of the things that we could do and all of the telephone calls that we could make in order to earn this plate. And then someone passed the plate to Becky. Becky turns it over, looks at the bottom, and says, Is there cash tape to the bottom? Is it gold inside? Ladies, it's a plate. So true. Becky's comment brought me back to reality. Why did I want that plate so much? Oh, I didn't. Uh, actually, I wouldn't want that plate at all. It didn't match with anything else in my house. It wouldn't fit inside anything in my cupboard. And it was ceramic. It would probably be broken on the first use. Yet for a moment, I was realigning my entire monthly schedule, sacrificing time at home with my family and children, all so that I could have this plate. Marketers are clever. Marketers use limitation, limited quantity, rewards, bonuses to make us want things more. 
If screen time becomes a dangling carrot, then I want more screen time. But aha, I am onto their schemes and trickery and will not fall prey to their tactics. I will not chase the dangling carrot. I'm not a rabbit. I'm an eagle meant to soar. I don't eat carrots. I eat carrion. Okay, bad example. The decaying flesh of dead animals is not what I'm chasing this summer, but you get the idea. My objective as a parent is not to limit my children's screen time because that only makes my children want more screen time. What I can do instead is to help my family decide what we want more than screens. So please don't misunderstand. I am not talking about a free-for-all where all summer long no one sees the Warners who have locked up indoors because mom didn't put any limits on screen use. Not at all. What I am talking about is helping my children and myself to discover the things we want more than endless hours in front of screens. We most often default to doing something on a screen because we don't know what else we would rather do instead. And making a decision or making plans requires too much effort in the moment, so it's easier to click on Candy Crush. So today's final principle is deciding what we do want as a family for the summer. Something my family has done for a couple of summers that has really worked much better than the Warner Bucks has been to make, essentially, a summer bucket list. We have a family meeting and everyone gets to say things that they'd like to do for the summer. It's fun and energizing. Suddenly, we're open to so many possibilities, like visiting the local aquarium that's so cool but we've never been to, the special hike to that awesome waterfall or the secret swimming hole, picnics to our favorite parks. We always include movies that we want to see or board games that we love but that haven't seen the light of day during the school year, puzzles, outing with friends, a late night movie on the wall of the house, and family video game tournaments. You'll notice that we don't exclude screens from our planning. I love TV and movies, and I'm even starting to... Mm, like is a strong word. I'm starting to... understand? No, still strong. Tolerate. I'm even starting to tolerate Mario Smash Bros. Our family summer planning meeting is this Sunday. A few weeks ago, I prepped the kids to start brainstorming. This year, we are going to do family and personal want lists. On the personal list, we are each brainstorming our own ideas of things that fit into four areas. One, something we can practice and improve on during the summer. Two, learning something new that we're interested in, but that we don't have time to explore during the school year. Three, some kind of a physical activity, physical goal. And four, a book list. Now my kids are older. I have five children ranging from the ages of 10 to 20. So this works for us. My advice for families with younger children would be to go easy on goals. With younger children, set yourself up for success by really scaling back what you think is possible. It's better to achieve one goal successfully than fail to achieve five goals because success breeds success. Now, by the time you're listening to this episode, the Warner family will have created an epic list of simple, doable, and fun summer activities, and it will be posted in colorful marker on our refrigerator. And each family member will have their own colorful drawing using words and images of what they want their summer to be. Do you see the principle here? We are creating a vision for our summer. Vision and energy are more powerful than limitation. 
Instead of focusing on what we can't do or what we shouldn't be spending too much time on, we are going to empower ourselves as a family with vision, energy, and fun. You can learn more about this by going back and listening to episode two, What Do I Want? The Power of Desire. It is the second most downloaded episode next to The Power of Imbalance because so many of us don't know what we really want or we don't believe we can have it so we don't even try for it. The best method to get away from screens this summer is to know ahead of time what we want more. This helps us to not sacrifice what we want in the long term for what is easiest right now. Today we've explored the broad principles of why not to limit screen time because limit creates want. And instead of creating want by establishing limitations, we've discussed how to create and discover real wants in order to replace the default to screen mode. In next week's episode, we'll dive into the nitty gritty of how. How to set up this empowered summer. We'll talk everything from the words you choose to use in talking about screens to the power of boundaries. Yes, we are going to talk about setting boundaries, about establishing a framework of rules and guidelines for screen use. This is not limiting screen time. This actually creates a container for screen time and within that container, kids and parents can feel their screen time use is abundant and satisfying rather than feeling left wanting more. This is Malia Warner. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I hope you have a fantastic week and feel a sense of relief and freedom in losing your full-time job as the screen police. The tools and principles we're going to talk about next week are really going to help you have more freedom, time, and energy to do the things you really want to do over the summer. Have a fabulous week, my friends.